Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So let me just say this off the top of the program here today. I have done a terrible job of something. Now, maybe those of you who are with us a lot would say there's a lot of things, B.A., you do a terrible job of. But something I have done a terrible job of is promote the fact that we're going to do something kind of new and not, I mean, it's not that new. We do this sort of thing all the time, but we're doing it today. We're going to go live on video this afternoon. I'm recording this here on a Wednesday morning. We're going to be live on video today, probably around 1 p.m. or so, 12.31 p.m., somewhere along those lines. And we're going to give you a little bit of, we're going to call it a go for 2 and 22 video special. We're going to give you some of that today, looking at Georgia's continued preparations for Ohio State and the Peach Bowl. We expect to hear from Georgia coach Kirby Smart today to get a little bit of an insight from him on how things are going in Athens as Georgia continues to kind of get ready for this big college football playoff showdown in a time of year we're calling go for 2 and 22 as Georgia tries to go out and win a second straight national championship, national championship number two for Kirby Smart. So we're going to get a little bit of an update from the coach on that today, and we'll go live on video today to react to some of the things that Kirby has to say. I have not promoted this as well as I should, but I wanted to mention it off the top of the program. And in fact, as a part of this show today, we'll even invite you to be a part of it. We'll take your uh, Zoom calls like we do for our post-game show. We'll do that live this afternoon via the Dog Nation video channel. So somewhere around 12 12.30, 1 p.m. It's not an exact time type of thing here because a lot of this is sort of based on what we hear from Georgia. So we'll do that a bit later on. Hopefully we can even give you some injury stuff and things like that. So we will do that coming up then. Before that, though, uh, as you might imagine, the topic at hand here today on our program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Manager. Good to have you with us, by the way is what's going to happen between the dogs and the Buckeyes coming up in the Peach Bowl. And I think there is an element in which Georgia has an advantage in this game that some Ohio State fans might not quite realize. Some folks kind of deep within the heart of Buckeye country might not quite realize. And the setup for this is something you've heard me say a lot. And this is a very simplistic point, but I believe it is true. You've heard me say before that great teams are made up of great players. That if you're going to have a great team, the number one measurement of how great your team is is how many kind of top-end players you have. I, I made a huge deal about this going into last season. That national champions typically have somewhere in the neighborhood of about a half dozen future first-round picks on their roster, whether that be in the next NFL draft or some NFL draft coming up in a future year after that. There's usually about a half dozen or so first-round picks on every national championship team. There are on the SEC national champs, about a half dozen or so first team all SEC type guys in a situation like that. And another measuring stick might be the Associated Press All-American team. There's different ways to kind of measure what you view as elite top end talent. There are different ways to measure that. But national championship teams have a lot of it. You can be like Georgia and have kind of a team concept and kind of an ensemble cast where no player really outshines another but that doesn't mean that you can avoid having players who are playing at the elite level. You may have so many elite players, they all just sort of seem the same, but enough of those guys better be at the elite, true, top-end level, or you're probably going to fall short of winning a national championship. We saw that last year with Georgia. Five first-round picks on defense was a defense that propelled Georgia to the national championship, and that's just sort of how it goes. So when you start thinking about this year's college football playoff, and you start thinking about this year's Peach Bowl, the semifinal game that Georgia's going to play, once again, the tail of the tape that sort of determines how all of this is going to kind of play out for me is which of these two teams has the most kind of elite top end level players? And of that kind of top shelf talent, who can call upon that talent and actually get more out of those guys? in a game situation against the Buckeyes and whatever comes after that in the national championship, who has the most top-end talent, who has the most potentially elite performers, and which of these two teams of their elite performers can you really depend on those guys to really show up for you in a big way when it comes to the college football playoff? And I think there's this sense around Buckeye country, despite the fact that they've already lost this year, despite the fact that they're a you know, decent underdog to Georgia, about a touchdown or so during this game. I think there's a little bit of a sense here that somehow they are still the team that maybe has the most elite top-end level talent. To use kind of a phrase we all understand, that somehow the Buckeyes sort of feel like they have the most superstars here. They have the most household names here. They have the most big-time guys here. 
and that Georgia is somehow this weird anomaly of a championship team because in the eyes of a lot of Buckeyes folks, they don't seem to have that. I'm going to give you more evidence that kind of shows that here in a moment. But let me also give you something that many of you may have seen. Darren Lee, NFL guy, I think he's actually not on the roster right now, but he was a linebacker on Ohio State won the national championship, the first college football playoff in 2014. And he had a tweet that got some attention the other day. He has since deleted it. Uh, there was one of the websites that covers Ohio State was kind of doing a little bit of their own tale of the tape about, you know, what does Georgia bring to the table? How does Ohio State compare with that? And the former Buckeye player kind of put something out there on social media that I think is a little bit reflective of the way that some Ohio State fans kind of view Georgia. His name is Darren Lee. Let me show you this on Twitter. Some of you saw this. So the website's 11 Warriors. And what 11 Warriors puts out is, hey, Brock Bowers, Kenny McIntosh, Darnell Washington, they're all dangerous offensive weapons, while Jalen Carter, Christopher Smith, and Keely Ringo are defensive game changers for Georgia. So this is basically 11 Warriors, an Ohio State-themed website, kind of like Dog Nation is for us down here, previewing what to expect from Georgia. And so Darren Lee, uh, who has the blue check next to his name, I don't know if that's one he's had for a while or if he just paid the $8 a month to get it. But either way, uh, Darren Lee puts it on Twitter. Uh, I have never heard of any of these guys except for Keely Ringo. And then he starts laughing at Georgia. And uh, our lower thirds covers this up, but you can't see it, but he uh, deletes the tweet. So this tweet has been deleted, it says down there at the bottom, which kind of gives you an idea of maybe how wise using those words for Darren Lee would be. But basically, that's a little bit reflective of maybe how some of these Ohio State folks can view Georgia right now of, ha, 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 I've never heard of any of these players. Ha, 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 Georgia doesn't have any superstar players. Ha, 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 there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, nothing to really fear from Georgia's top-end talent. And I would say that, this is one of those years in which if that's really what you think as a former Ohio State player or an Ohio State fan, if that's really what you think, then you might actually be in a little bit of trouble here. Because I got to tell you, one of the reasons why we began the year pretty confident in Georgia's ability to go for two and 22, one of the reasons why we expected Georgia to be kind of right back here in this spot in the conversation that we're having with the chance to actually win another national championship and at least be in the college football playoff. It's because we did see the potential of top-end performers to emerge on this team, much the same way it did last year in a national championship season. We did see the potential for that, and we do think that that's playing out right now. And admittedly, some of these guys may not be as famous to someone like Darren Lee, but that doesn't speak to the deficiency of the Georgia players and how they performed. I think it speaks to the deficiency of a guy like Lee and how much of this sport he currently understands, given the fact that it's been a few years since he's actually played it. And in fact, let me show you this here for a moment. Look at the Associated Press All-American team here. First team, second team having just come out. I think you see the building blocks here for the kinds of superstar players that some Ohio State folks may think that Georgia doesn't have that Georgia, I think, would be more than happy to lean on along its way to winning a national championship. As uh, Dog Nation reported the other day, two on the first team, two on the second team. Jalen Carter, Christopher Smith right there on that first team, and then Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Brock Bowers there on that second team. Now let's talk about these guys here for a moment. Jalen Carter is, to use, I guess, the phrase of the moment, he is that dude, right? He is him. He is the kind of guy, now that he's fully healthy again, he showed moments against Tennessee where he totally took that game over. And while Georgia was forced to play a lot of this year without him, Carter courageously has overcome his injury and come back to give Georgia the huge level of performance that a superstar guy is supposed to provide. Would anybody question that Jalen Carter is a superstar level player and he ought to be a household name? And as I said before, if he's not a big time, well-known name in your household, then your household doesn't know enough about football because Jalen Carter is that kind of player. Christopher Smith, admittedly, might to the casual fan or the average you know, folk, he might be off the radar here a bit. But if you've watched him play, you understand why he was an AP first-team All-American. If you've seen the game-changing moments that he's provided to Georgia here this year, you realize that the, that the game does outpace the fame, that, that Christopher Smith's game is more robust than his fame. But once again, that probably sort of speaks to the inability sometimes to make the right players famous because what Christopher Smith can do for you is absolutely to go out and play at kind of a superstar-type level in the college football playoff against Ohio State and if he's not currently treated as a superstar, then that's somebody else's fault. But that's got you know nothing to do with Christopher Smith. Juwan Dumas Johnson kind of in the similar category as a second team guy, and you better believe Brock Bowers has the chance to be every bit the playmaker that anybody else in this sport could possibly be. I've said this over and over again. There are wide receivers, other kinds of pass catchers. There are wide receivers who generate a lot more fame and a lot more attention. 
but I'm honestly not quite so sure there's any of them at any point in time last year or this year I would trade for Bowers, including Marvin Harrison Jr., who, by the way, I have great respect for, first-team All-American from Ohio State. If you told me right now I could do an you know, even swap Harrison for uh, Bowers, I don't want to do that either. Not because I don't think that Harrison's a great player. He obviously is. I just like George's guy. And I just believe in Bowers as George's guy to go out there and be the kind of superstar player that someone like Darren Lee and presumably other Ohio State Buckeyes fans would say they've never heard of, they don't know about, because Georgia by perception is a little bit more of an ensemble cast. But that doesn't mean that Georgia doesn't have the kind of top-end superstar-type level players who can help propel this team to a national championship just like last year's stars did back in 2021. And by the way, I would say this is even more true now when you think about what Ohio State is losing. The other day, we saw Jackson Smith Nick the terrific wide receiver who really spent most of this year injured, and his injury opened the door for Marvin Harrison Jr. to have the kind of year that he had, but he declares the NFL draft. He kind of taps out on the chance to be a part of a national championship opportunity for Ohio State. And then following in his footsteps, Stravion Anderson, who I think is a terrific running back. I really do. He hasn't really shown the best of himself this year because you know, he's been pretty banged up a lot this year. And frankly, I don't know that Ohio State's offensive line has been as good as it's supposed to be. Certainly not has been, I would say, maybe as advertised, even though they had a couple of offensive linemen All-Americans. I don't know this has been a great year up front for the Buckeyes necessarily, but one way or another, Henderson has been battling with injury, and he put it out on social media. He's also kind of now stepping back from this team for its national championship run. Let me uh, read this to you here for a moment. Travion Henderson on Twitter yesterday saying, as much as I wanted to finish out the season with my brothers, I know it's God that's got a bigger and better plan for me. It's always light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be back better than ever. In other words, he's like, hey, I'm already thinking about next year. Wait till next year for me in a time in which Ohio State, you would think, is trying to think about this year here right now. And I don't mind telling you this. The perception of Henderson stepping away for surgery to come back and play in 2023 or Jackson Smith and the Jigba to step away from this team and start thinking about the NFL in light of what a guy like, say, Jalen Carter has done for Georgia this year in coming back from injury when he probably didn't have anything to prove. It is a little bit of a, of a weird perception created by Ohio State where you're left to wonder, gosh, how bought in is this team actually right now if you've got star players like this stepping away from the team? Now, I'll also be the first to tell you that I'm way down here in Dog Nation, whatever's happening up there in Columbus and Buckeye country, there's a chance that my perception of this is all wrong. And actually, maybe by getting rid of players who aren't fully focused on this team right now, maybe this makes the Buckeyes even better. I'm certainly, I guess, open to the possibility that injured players stepping away for, for younger, hungrier players to step in, maybe that benefits the Buckeyes. But there's something about this that feels a little bit weird, I have to say, and certainly in this kind of tail of the tape of who's got the more elite top-end star players ready to contribute to their team when you've got injured Ohio State stars dropping like flies. Once again, that seems to be the kind of thing that sort of gives the edge to uh, UGA a bit. But as I said before, you're hard-pressed to convince the folks in Columbus this is true right now. <laughs> I'm sure you're not surprised to find out that people in that Buckeye territory have a little bit of a high opinion of themselves, players on the team maybe, former players certainly, uh, media around the team almost certainly there as well. So Ryan Day did a press conference. I guess it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. So Ryan Day did a, did a press conference yesterday, and there was a question about Georgia in the press conference. And listen, I, I guess I'm just – thin-skinned or something right now and I, I don't like Ohio State very much so I'm obviously kind of fired up for this game but there's a sense in this question that's sort of dripping with can you believe that Georgia's even here I mean can you believe that Georgia somehow is, is going to dare to be on the field with Ohio State because it, there just seems to be a, a little bit of a misunderstanding of what Georgia's all about here maybe I'm reading too much in the question let me let you hear a little bit of it and then Ryan Day's thoughts on how the Georgia offense is functioning right now and what maybe by perception up there in Columbus is a little bit of a lack of the kind of superstar players that we're saying that championship teams need. Here's an exchange with a reporter and Ryan Day from yesterday. You look at them offensively, and it's an interesting group, right? Because it's not a group that's loaded with superstars at receiver and a superstar running back, but they have extraordinary depth at tight end, and they have as better a quarterback as you could have in the college game. I'm just wondering how you evaluate them offensively and their unique nature as an offense. Yeah, I think they do a great job of playing off the defense and special teams. All three are, um, you know, put together really well. But specifically on offense, you know, I think, um, you know, Bennett kind of is, is the one that gets it all going. And, and certainly they have talent all across the board. Their offensive line's big. Both tight ends are very, very talented. Um, you know, running backs are very good. Receivers are, are very good. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the quarterback that makes it all go. And um, he's played unbelievable, deserved certainly an opportunity to be down in New York City on Saturday night, um, and what an unbelievable story 
of somebody that uh, you know came through a lot of adversity along the way in his journey to get to where he's at. So, um, you know, from afar, it's been it's been a joy to watch him to compete. And um, and so, yeah, I, I think they do uh, multiple things. They're they're creative in how they do them, and um, you know, they're certainly playing good football here down the stretch. I've got no problem with what Ryan Day said. He's just simply a coach trying to get to a press conference. He's not thinking five seconds about any of the words that he's using right there. I do believe that he's wrong, that somehow the Georgia offense is strictly a referendum on Stetson Bennett. We said that to begin the week. As much fun as it was to see Bennett, deservedly so, in New York City as a Heisman Trophy finalist, the honest truth is is that the Peach Bowl is not going to be a Wild West gunslinger showdown between Bennett and C.J. Stroud. And, you know, Day is speaking there like any coach does. But ultimately, his assessment of the Georgia offense is something simply wrong there. Bennett is a part of it. He is not the foundation on which the entire thing rests, I don't believe. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to Stetson Bennett. He is simply a component piece in that. As the quarterback, he may be the single most important component piece. But this is also an offense made up of a whole lot more than just quarterback. Georgia is just not nearly as quarterback-driven team as other national championship contenders such as Ohio State kind of are. But it's actually the question all this that I can't quite get over. Georgia ain't got no uh, superstars on offense, the uh, questioner, the inquisitor would say. Georgia ain't got no superstars. I mean, let's see if you say that after the game because, you know, maybe Oregon thought that, but it was 49 points on the board. Maybe Tennessee thought that, but they couldn't do anything to stop that Georgia offense to begin the game because, honestly, what we had heard going in that week was, oh, how in the world is the Georgia offense going to keep pace with Tennessee? We never quite hear the question of how is the supposed high-powered offense going to score on Georgia. We never quite hear that, but yet it seems to be a pretty big issue in a lot of these games. But it was actually Georgia who looked to be plenty starred up offensively to start that game against Tennessee, and they just hung 50 points on uh, LSU. An LSU team that gave up 31 to Bama, gave up 50 to Georgia, and Bama's supposed to get all these superstars, but you get the point. I mean, it's... It is very interesting to see the perception of Georgia from up there in Columbus, up there in sort of Buckeye country. The idea that it's Ohio State that has more of the star players than Georgia does. Well, some of those guys are injured. Some of those guys say they don't want none. And some of those other guys maybe haven't quite had the season that you think they do. And yet Georgia may by perception be a little bit more of an ensemble cast. But if you really dig deep and you look at what makes Georgia Georgia, much like a year ago where a bunch of guys having an elite top-end level season – I think you see a similar version of that here right now. If Georgia does go for 2 in 22, that will be the reason why. And some of the guys who maybe for Georgia aren't as famous as they deserve to be, maybe the Peach Bowl will be the springboard for them to finally get the attention they deserve. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Brady Pest Management. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Rep, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. Just really happy to have you with us for it all here today. Uh, and that's across all platforms, Facebook, YouTube, uh, podcasts on the Apple, Spotify, and everything else. Just a lot of ways for our show to be available to you. And we're just really, really happy that you find us. And by the way, thanks to our friends at Breda Pass Management for making it all possible. We know our folks at Matt Breda and all those folks up there, they love what's going on with Georgia right now. They're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That means when Georgia wins, they're happy. And it's always kind of fun to do business with a company that kind of has the same outlook on life as you do, that good news for Georgia is good news generally. And that's what our uh, folks at Breda Pass Management are all about. And also, the same level of resources and strength they provide for UGA, they can provide for you too. Because think about this for a moment. You know, it's, you know, Georgia wants the best of everything, the best in every aspect of the program. So when it comes to the stadium and keeping the stadium protected from like termites and bugs and critters and all that kind of stuff, well, of course, they're going to choose the best possible pest control provider to do that for them. And you can make the same choice for yourself there as well. Now, here's why this also matters for you, too. Because if you've got the strength, the resource, you've been recognized as a brand leader to the point in which you're uh, being picked by UGA to help protect Sanford Stadium and all the other athletic venues, here's what you also have as well. The kind of strength that can be leveraged for you, the customer's benefit there as well. I'm talking about a company that's been in business in the 1970s, more than 100 employees. And when you've been doing it so well for so long, 
what that creates is a level of resource that can also save you money as well because a strong company like this puts its strength to work for you by saving you money. So when you make the switch away from your maybe fly-by-night company where the price keeps going up and up and up and up every year, at Breda Pass Manager, that's not going to happen. They're going to make you uh, money instantly. They're going to save you money instantly just for making the switch. So please make sure you find them online at BredaPass.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPass.com to find out more on that. BredaPass.com for our friends at Breda Pass Manager. Right, we're going to get Mike Griffith here coming up in a moment. We'll talk to Mike about what's happening in Athens right now as George gets ready for the Peach Bowl. And we'll also get Mike uh, a thought or two from him on obviously the incredibly sad news that we're still kind of reeling about with uh, Mike Leach passing away. Uh, obviously, uh, Mike Griffith knows the SEC very well. And so we'll talk to him about what you know Leach has meant to this league, but also the sport beyond that, going back to his time in Pullman with Washington State and Lubbock before that with Texas Tech. So we'll talk a lot about Mike, a lot about Mike Leach with Mike Griffith here coming up. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. Now, here's the thing. We talked a moment ago about the superstar level players for Georgia that the dogs will need to lean on in order to win a national championship. My very simple kind of elementary point, but nonetheless, I believe a true point. The great play, great teams are made up of great players. And you have to have a lot of All-American, all-conference, first-round pick type level players playing at a top-end level if you want to have a team that propels itself to as far as it can go. I don't believe there's any doubt that the number one superstar on the Georgia roster, as measured by anything you want to measure by, first-team All-American, future first-round pick, Georgia's best overall player is Jalen Carter. And when you think about what Carter has a chance to do in this college football playoff, it is to demonstrate just how true that is. Obviously, the thing he's famous for right now is what you're watching on the video screen right now, which is him picking up and carrying around Jane Daniels, the LSU quarterback. But that's kind of the image that tells the larger story of exactly how dominant Carter has been when he's healthy. And yet, I got to tell you something, and this doesn't matter much right now, but it's still kind of aggravating me a little bit right now, is that Todd McShay goes on ESPN television. I believe this is from this week. I think it's within the last day or two. And, you know, a year after we heard all kinds of weird, unfair maligning of a guy like, say, N'Kobe Dean for a completely different reason, dropping on draft boards for this sort of non-specified, whispery-type reason, here we are a year later, and the same kind of stuff is going on the Georgia guy again. And ultimately, the NFL draft is probably the farthest thing from many of your minds. But just given the fact that George is about to try to win a college football playoff national championship on the back of a guy like Jalen Carter, having Carter's uh, character and integrity maligned, I feel like feels like kind of the wrong thing to be doing right now. But nonetheless, on ESPN TV this week, that's exactly what Todd McShay has done. I don't like this, but I do want you to hear it. This from ESPN apparently this week. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, first of all, Seattle's a little bit better on the perimeter than they are on the inside. And so it's a little bit of need. Here's the deal with Jalen Carter. He has character issues. And the, the closer we get to the draft, the more we're going to hear about how some teams are really concerned about it. But with Pete Carroll, he has a history of bringing in guys with that questionable character and making it work. And if, you don't, if you're not worried about the character, He's the best defensive player in, in, in the country. Look at the last three games when he came back off the, the ankle injury and what he did, just absolutely destroying offensive game plans. And I love that play right there with Jaden Daniels. I mean, he has a chance to be one of the special elite interior defensive linemen in, in the NFL. And for a team like, like Seattle that's not that concerned about the character issues when it comes to guys because of Pete Carroll's history, it just made sense to me. But listen, if Will Anderson was the pick, I'd love that too. Look, I love football. I love college football. I like the NFL. The NFL draft is obviously the thing that unites the two kind of versions of the sport. But I think most NFL draft talk is just kind of gross. I have to say that. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm turned off by so much of it because we're taking what ought to be the most special moment of a young man's life. And so much of the pre draft process is about honestly just ripping these guys to shreds for whatever reason. And the way to sound smart as an NFL draft analyst to talk about what's wrong with the guy. And we just heard Todd McShay use the word character issues four times in discussing Jalen Carter. He's clearly getting that from someone. Uh, he wouldn't be saying it if he wasn't. But oftentimes what we find out is the person trying to kind of spill the character issue stuff is doing so for some sort of ulterior motive. He's trying to you know, get Carter to drop so he'll land on some team or whatever else. And I won't pretend to know one way or another what McShay's talking about, but that's also kind of part of the problem that if McShay's going to use the word character issue that much and then not go into more detail about exactly what that is, but on TV, you don't really have time to do that because you've only got a few seconds to talk about each player. But to really slander Jalen Carter that way and not give more detail about exactly what he means, 
Um, I just think that's a bad look for McShay. And, and frankly, at some point in time, I hope Georgia responds to this because I don't think that's fair for Jalen Carter. But let me spin this back to the positive here just for a moment. Did you notice what he also said there in light of character issue this, character issue that? He still has Carter going number two overall in this draft. Now, I find that to be really interesting because a lot of us back during the offseason would have said, hey, I'll take my guy defensively, Jalen Carter, over Alabama's Will Anderson or anything like that. And Bama fans were laughing about that. They thought it was so funny that anybody could dare say any player in this country defensively belongs in the same conversation with Will Anderson. But if McShay ends up being right, character issues aside, whatever that's about, if he ends up being right, then Jalen Carter's going to get drafted ahead of Will Anderson. That's the kind of career that Georgia's Jalen Carter has put together. And once again, just like we said off the top of the program, some of this for Georgia players, for whatever reason, happens kind kind of quietly, right? Anderson's a great player. You'll never hear me say a bad word about him. But everything Anderson has done during his career has been so noisy and so noticed. He has been so patted on the back, justifiably so. He's a great player. But by comparison, Carter's another one of these guys at UGA that kind of blends into the scenery. I don't think folks are fully aware of exactly what kind of career that he's had as an interior defensive lineman. And I don't think a lot of these Ohio State folks realize that coming up on December 31st, they're about to do battle with a defense that has a player that is justifiably, arguably better than Will Anderson. I don't know that they're quite aware of that. And we, we may not alight everything that uh, Todd McShay just said about uh, Jalen Carter, but the overall bottom line is what matters most, is that this is a game-wrecking player. And if the college football playoff and the national championship and all of that really does come down to who has the most superstars playing at a high-end level, you know Georgia's got at least one of those in Carter, and you would expect him to show up very, very big when it comes to December 31st. That is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management here today. Before we're done, we'll take a look at a lot of the other stuff going on around the SEC. We also have a very funny golden shoe that we'll get to as well. But before that, big day in Athens. We're going to hear from Coach Kirby Smart. Georgia continuing its preparations for the Peach Bowl, getting ready for the Buckeyes, and maybe whatever else comes after that on the way to go for two and 22 let's talk about that and so much more as we do a georgia farm bureau insider update with mike griffith right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider happy to have mike griffith as a part of our program and obviously it's fun to talk about the college football playoff and it's fun to get ready for georgia and ohio state we look forward to doing that uh, but, Mike, it's also kind of necessary in a day like this, as we did a good bit yesterday, looking back and reflecting on the life of Mike Leach. It is certainly scary when a guy like this leaves us so soon at just 61 years of age. Obviously, a kind of a towering figure from a personality standpoint, but also his impact on the game. Mike, you've been around the sport for a long time. Uh, before we get into the stuff going on with George, I want to give you a chance to, to address this. What does uh, Mike Leach mean personally for you? Well, I mean, he was he's an innovator. I mean, you know, um, every bit uh, much like Steve Spurrier in terms of how, you know, they changed the game. You know, you think back to the 1990s and what Coach Spurrier did with the fun and gun and really transforming the SEC uh, with the way they spread the field. And then when Mike Leach, who was at Valdosta State with, with how Mommy, when they got the Kentucky job together there, uh, Mommy is the head coach, took Leach with him. I, was, I remember covering the Alabama-Kentucky game in 1997, uh, in Commonwealth Stadium, I guess now it's Kroger Field, and the goalpost came down. Kentucky beat Alabama uh, in Lexington that year. I want to say it was the first time in 50 or 60 years, and I remember watching that game and, you know, just kind of watching that whole pinball effect of, of the run and shoot, and, um, and you know, Co- Coach Mummy, of course, was the head coach, and it was more talk about him, but, but Leach was, was also a big part of that, um, and, and Leach would go from there to Oklahoma uh, for one year, and, and then Texas Tech. And certainly Texas Tech became a program well-known for the air raid principles um, during his 10 years there and lighting up the scoreboard. And, and you know, we, we look at the Georgia offense now, and it's, it's got air raid principles all over it. And Mike Leach, um, you know, was one of those innovators, um, you know, that really brought that out. And people say, well, air raid, what does that mean? You, know, you don't just throw the ball. I mean, it's, it's a byproduct of it, but that's not what it is. It's, it's the spacing. Um, it's, the, it's the personnel usage. Uh, and it's it's uh, stressing defenses to make a decision of how many people they put in the box. And then, you know, they put five in the box, you run. They put six in the box, you pass. It's a numbers game. Um, spacing is incredibly important. And, you know, Mike Leach was that innovator. And, and then I think secondly, Brandon, you know, he was one of college football's characters. And I don't know 
how many of our Dog Nation um, daily listeners, uh, readers, followed NASCAR. But it kind of reminds me of old school NASCAR. The SEC coaches do. You know, it hasn't been. Um, I don't think it's gone vanilla on us yet. I think we still have a cast of characters, and I think that's part of why, um, you know, so many of us love the SEC so much is, you know, all these different characters. They're not just coaches. They're not just empty suits. I mean, there's there's some real personalities out there, and and Mike Leach was one of them, certainly. Him and Lane Kiffin in the state of Mississippi. I mean, um, very interesting coaches. Uh, Leach, particularly, very eccentric. Um, you know, his... Uh, Background was interesting as well, um, you know, going to the U.S. Sports Academy, which I don't know what you think about that or know about that, but that was that's kind of a curiosity to get his, you know, his master's and and then his law degree and, and how he got into coaching um, without really much of a football background before that as a player. So the, uh, just a fascinating guy, you know, and, and like to entertain, like to tell stories, uh, very engaging um, and very unique. So. Uh, I look at Mike Leach as a guy that kind of did it his way, lived life his way. Uh, he was a winner everywhere he went. I've always wondered what would happen if he would have had the opportunity uh, to have a lot of talent around him. Um, as much or more as the next guy, I guess Todd Munkin's probably your answer. See what Todd Munkin does with Georgia talent. You, you think to yourself, man, if Mike Leach could have ever gotten in a program like a Georgia or an Alabama, um, probably would have been a multinational championship winner. So that, those are all the thoughts. And the final thing I guess I'd say, maybe on a darker note, um, I remember the week of the game and his interviews and the cough. And, and he appeared, I mean, it turned out, Brandon, he was coaching with pneumonia. Um, you think also about the schedule and how hard these coaches work. And um, that was something else that kind of stuck with me was, you know, the, the, you know, the revelation that, you know, he, he really was sick. I thought it at the time. I mean, my goodness, his cough sounds terrible. He had pneumonia and coached through it. Um, passion for the game uh so a lot of thoughts i know i'm rambling a little bit but you know it's a pretty dynamic um person and um still sort of fresh and as we uh, obviously make the awkward transition from that to uh, what's happening with georgia right now obviously preparations continuing here for the peach bowl against ohio state we were are expecting to get a chance to hear from georgia coach kirby smart here today which should be interesting maybe not you know we saw a ryan day press conference yesterday it wasn't super long so you know the idea that you're gonna get you know tons of info coming out of kirby today maybe not but some info is better than nothing i guess on that and so with that in mind you know what do you want to hear from the coach today mike well what i want to hear and what i'm gonna hear are two different things brandon you know how kirby controls the narrative i i i would i'm not even going to bother to ask him about the darren lee comments which were just if you're a georgia fan i mean it's just you think you're lucky stars as i wrote in the headline christmas came early you've got this former ohio state linebacker uh saying that he's never heard of guys like jalen carter and i, I just laugh i just laugh because you know that will absolutely piss these guys off i mean you could say you typically Typically, you know, these guys don't play the, the, you know, the game where they worry too much. But this is a football player saying this. This is a former first-round NFL draft pick saying that he's never heard of them. Kenny McIntosh, Chris Smith, Jalen Carter. I mean, these aren't the guys to pick on. Then he, he outs Kirby for the 2014 Alabama. This was eight years ago, Brandon. But, but he points out how Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm thinking, all he's doing, like, you don't understand, like, Maybe you think you're going to distract these guys. You're not. All you're doing is putting coal on the fire because football players and athletes look for reasons to be motivated every day. It's hard. Look, face it. We all are challenged to be motivated. We have a daily call at 9 a.m. every single day, and some days are harder to get on that call than others. you got to find your motivation and your why, right? Well, just imagine being a football player and the challenges that they have physically, mentally, um, emotionally, spiritually, uh, day after day, it's that much easier when you've got this NFL player saying, I don't even know who you are. You hear that voice. You see that in your mind, and it drives you. Just like the Eric Ainge, just like how the Georgia fans responded earlier. I mean, I love it. It's, this is great. I love it because I like the story. I'm, I love to tell the story, and I root for good stories. And having this Ohio State guy saying that the only Georgia player he's ever heard of is Keely Ringo, this is perfect. This fits right into the storyline, Brandon. And, and Kirby and the coaches are going to have that stuff posted everywhere. 
And now Kirby's unified with the players because he didn't just put the players on blast. They put Kirby on blast. So now you're all in this together, Georgia, and it's, it's, it's fun. So Georgia should send Darren Lee a thank you card. Somehow the guy claims that this is helping Ohio State. I have no earthly idea how this helps Ohio State. I, I just don't see how. So, you know, that's going to – other than that, uh, you know, they'll bring chicken sandwiches. I guess the question I would ask if I wanted to be a smarty pants is if Gary Stokin's going to tell Kirby Smart what uniforms to wear. Because you remember back a couple years ago when Georgia wore the black uniforms at the press conference when Gary Stokin said, Coach Smart wanted to wear them. And Kirby goes, no, actually, Gary asked us to wear them. <laughs> it was kind of a, oh, speaking of awkward, right? Um, I, don't, I don't think Gary Stokin's going to tell him what uniforms to wear this time. But to go back to what you were saying a moment ago, I mean, you know, the the former Ohio State player, which, frankly, I don't think anybody's ever heard of either, uh, you know, you know, some of this is just sort of the typical perception that sort of seems to exist around Georgia for whatever reason. I mean, look, Georgia's success has been built on the back of being kind of an ensemble cast. Even last year with right. five first-round picks on defense, you had the number one overall pick. You had, you know, the Nagurski Award winner. You had all these guys who, by definition, are sort of superstar-level players, but because you have other guys standing next to them doing something similar, nobody really stands out from the crowd next to anybody else. And it is just sort of true across the board that Georgia players are just less famous than their success should make them be. You know, last year, Brock Bowers wasn't even the finalist of the Mackey Award. You know, uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how dominant Jalen Carter is along the way to being a very you know high NFL draft pick. And on and on you can go here of Georgia players have performances that ought to make them famous household names. But because there is so much talent at Georgia and so many guys who've done so, so many things, I'm presuming that's the reason anyway, that Georgia players are just sort of less famous than their counterparts seem to be at a place like Ohio State and a place uh, like Alabama. It doesn't make the Georgia players lesser. It just sort of frankly means that there are some people out there who aren't doing a good enough job of paying attention, I would say. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And it is curious. And, you know, even this year, you know, when I did the story the other day on game day, it's going to be there. Interestingly enough, this is a, a nice little factoid. So this will be the 16th time since 2017 that game day um, has been a part of a University of Georgia football game. 16 times in, what, let's see, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, in, in six years. The previous, that, that, that thing originated in 94. In the previous 23 years, it was 16 times. They were 3-13 and 13 in game day uh, before Kirby Smart took over. 16 times they've been on, dating back to 1994. And in the last seven years, they've been on 16 times. And they got a winning record. And it, Ohio State, however, this is worth noting, you know, Kirk Herbstreit being a former Ohio State quarterback, Ohio State holds the record. Like, Georgia's been on, like, 32 all-time game day-related appearances. I think Ohio State's at 56, more than anybody else. They've hosted more than anybody else. Ohio State is football royalty. Make no mistake about it. I, I saw this dynamic uh, when I covered the national championship game in 2006 or seven, whenever that was, when Florida, then coached by Urban Meyer, uh, faced Ohio State out in Glendale, Arizona. They just opened that new stadium out there that was brand new. It's just a, hard to believe it's been that long. And I wondered what the what the clash of Florida and Ohio State fans would be like. We all know what Florida fans are like. We're all very well aware of how loud and boisterous and arrogant Florida fans. Let me tell you, they got nothing on Ohio State fans. Same thing, same exact crowd, high-dollar, boisterous, confident. Granted, they're going to take over Atlanta. People are not, aren't, aren't ready for this. Ohio State is going to have half the fans in that stadium. These people travel. It's amazing. And they don't apologize for being Ohio State. They change rules in the Big Ten for Ohio State. You, you want to talk about a flagship program. You think Alabama – gets a little bit of extra love, or Florida gets some love from the SEC, Ohio State runs the Big Ten, literally runs it. And uh, so this is fascinating. Um, I mean, this, this program to me is incredible. Um, covered Ohio State uh, as part of a Big Ten beat writer for four years, from 12 to 16. Saw Michigan State take them down twice, uh, amazingly. Uh, but I also saw them dominate some games, and their talent is just sick. And if they've got enough of a mental edge and they really rally, uh, this could be a football game. If they play, if Ohio State gives you their best football game, this could be a four-quarter game.
Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, I expect it to be a four-quarter game. I also expect Georgia to win the game. I mean, ultimately what it comes down to for me, Mike, is is that if it's a college football playoff semifinal, you should expect to play a good team. I look across the field and I see a good team. When I see Ohio State, what I think if you're Georgia, you lean on here, as, and these are things I've talked about over the course of the last few days, you are the physically tougher team. Uh, you are the team that kind of embraces the physicality of the sport more. Ohio State's been left lacking in that category a couple of times here, back-to-back games against Michigan in 2021, and then again here this season there as well. And, and to be frank, well, I don't want to make too much about this because I don't know all the inner workings going on here. When you see guys like Jackson Smith and the Jigba declaring the NFL draft, Travion Anderson choosing to have a surgery now as opposed to after this you know, season is done, kind of you know, putting all of his eggs in the 2023 basket, you're also kind of left to conclude, oh, is this, is this team as kind of bought in and as connected as Georgia seems to be as well? And I'm not trying to make that you know, fodder for a hot take because I legitimately don't know uh, the situation, the landscape in Columbus because I'm several hundred miles away here. But by perception, it doesn't look great. And you know, these are the kinds of things that have made Georgia what it is over the course of the last couple of years that the guys do enjoy playing for each other with each other and I think you're left to conclude how much of that really is true for Ohio State for whatever reason they sort of cultivate superstars guys that are household famous names and yet sometimes that doesn't always create the greatest team fabric either you know that's another one of those opportunities that I think that Georgia has a chance to exploit when you get to December 31st I I agree I agree and I think that Kirby Smart um, is is the difference. I, I don't think I'm, Ryan Day is unproven to me. I mean, I know he's taken over, and I know his his record is gaudy, but it's supposed to be. And this is a real test for Ryan Day. I mean, I, you know, look, he's lost twice now in a row to Michigan. The, the home loss to Michigan was the first time since 2000 that they lost that game at home, which is remarkable. Um, you know, it seems like a kind of a slick guy. Um, he calls his own plays. Uh, it, this is to me, this is a big test. Does he get the buy-in? that Kirby Smart gets. Part of it, yes, of course, Georgia has a ton of talent. Yes, Georgia has the best coaching staff in the country. And yes, Georgia has invested $240 million to catch up on facilities. Um, And yes, Georgia, much like Ohio, um, has a ton of high school talent. And it is the predominant uh, university in the state, which gives it a huge advantage. Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, those are three programs specifically. But I don't know that Ryan Day is the motivator and the leader and the, and the uniting figure that Kirby Smart is. And to me, that's the difference. Kirby Smart's the difference. I, I, again, I know we talk about money and players and all this other stuff, Brandon, but at the end of the day, to me, Kirby Smart is, 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 is the reason why. And, and, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I thought Jeremy Pruitt had a really good point. He said the winning edge for Georgia is Kirby because Kirby's been through this whole – repeat scenario before he saw it at alabama he understood uh you know he'd seen an alabama team that, that got complacent and didn't repeat and then he's seen other alabama teams that did stay fresh and having experienced that kirby had the leadership and the understanding to keep this team on edge all year long and and that's where i circle back to darren lee um you know first round pick mvp of the 2014 sugar bowl five-year nfl career great the most important thing that he's done for Georgia is is he's created uh, you know a, a, uni- a unification edge because you're Georgia you're 13 and 0 you've never been 13 and 0 before you're this year's team you've done something last year's team didn't do guys are going getting awards back slaps patted on the back how great they are all American this uh, Mackey that Burl's worth here Heisman Sam you know it, it's just human nature and, and your know, invitations to All Star games. You're away from the team. You're back home. Everybody's telling you how great, you know. And Kirby said, "Ohio State's got this, you know, pick me up with this second life, like Bama did in 2017. That was a pick me up for them to get in when they thought they might be out. It's like a new life, a new lease on life, right? He said, you know, so where was Georgia going to find that? And Kirby was worried, and he told the guys, you know, last year we had a different mentality because Georgia gotten embarrassed by Alabama, 41-24." And they had to chew on that, and they had this edge, and they just destroyed Michigan. Played incredible. Well, where were they going to find that fire and that edge, and and that knock you back? You know, and and this was it. I think this was it, Brandon. So it's pretty fascinating the dynamics of of college football. Kirby Smart's leadership. Um, you know, this Georgia program. I was scrolling through some Purdue tweets randomly, and and here and there it was. There was the proof positive of where Georgia was. The Purdue fan was telling a Tennessee fan that we were arguing, 
your conference stinks. Georgia just carries you. You don't have anybody else in that league. Alabama and LSU didn't beat anybody. I said, well, there it is. There, there's the proof positive. Georgia is now carrying the SEC. It has absolutely replaced Alabama, and now Kirby and the dogs have to finish the job. Otherwise, I don't even want to think about what the narrative could be if Ohio State and Michigan end up in the. I don't want to think about what that would be. So the dogs have to finish the job now for the league. Let me do one quick thing with you, Mike, before we let you go. Let me remind folks before that, though, it's the Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance Insider Update. Listen, we know coming up on December 31st, this game is more than just a game. When it comes to insurance, you want more than just an insurance provider. And that's what our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau are all about. They live, they work, they play in communities just like yours across the uh, state of Georgia. That's why we say the Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. So whether it be auto insurance for the vehicle that gets you to and from work every day and takes your family all the places that y'all want to go or that home that you make all your memories and is your you know, number one investment, you know, whatever your insurance is there to protect, our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau want to give you a personal face on that protection. Friendly agents and claims adjusters and all the kind of folks right here in our state that understand how important all of this is to you. So please find them online, gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. That'll get you in touch with our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. All right, Mike, very, very quick before we let you go, because I've taken a lot of your time here. I've said as a fan... You know, I don't have a right to root for no Georgia players to leave in the transfer portal because some are going to. And, you know, my only hope is, hey, can you just keep it quiet here for right now? And even for Georgia in its own pursuit of transfer players, because we know that just like Georgia players are looking to leave, Georgia's looking to add some guys there too. And for the most part, I want to see Georgia keep that quiet as well. So we know the transfer work is going on. Georgia's evaluating every guy, and Georgia players are also evaluating their opportunities. But for me right now, it's all kind of quiet, and it seems like uh, nothing is kind of bubbling up that makes it a distraction for the college football playoff, and I would say that's A-OK with me. What do you make of this other sort of big thing that's going on right now, which is the sort of portal portal palooza that seems to be taking place all across the, uh, the landscape right now? Yeah, I, th- I think it levels the playing field. I think it, it leads um, to a lot of parity in college football. Um, I, I think – Georgia's select, you know, we know they're selective shoppers. I mean, they wanted Caleb Williams last year. Okay, well, he won a Heisman Trophy. Now you see why they wanted him over Stetson. They didn't get him. He went to USC. Everything worked out just fine. I don't see a quarterback out there that I would take over Carson Beck right now. I I know Grayson McCall did some things at Coastal Carolina. I I, I don't see anybody that I'm going to take if I'm Georgia quarterback. And this is interesting because what I think is going to happen is they think Beck and Vandergriff are both stick, obviously Gunnar Stockton, he's in, period. Don't even think twice about it, no doubt. But Beck and Vandergriff compete in the spring, one of them leaves, and then Georgia brings somebody in after the spring just so they've got that third scholarship guy. But who's going to be available after the spring? Right now is the, is the prime, and, and I don't see any of those prime guys. I, I don't see any prime quarterbacks that, you know, I, I see Marshawn Lloyd as another running back. Could, could he maybe come in? Um, do you need to go four or five deep? Do you need a running back? I don't know that answer, but he was a guy that liked George on the front. So we, I've heard you know wide receivers, but here's the point. Kirby's built this program incredibly well. So it's not like they have this immediate need. I think maybe receiver you might say, okay, that's where you might really press, or, or maybe it's safety. But to your point, Brandon, Kirby's made it a point to keep the focus on the team, keep the focus on the game. And if there are players that are looking, and there are, make no mistake about it, there's there's going to be ten or twelve guys that transfer out because they because the, frankly because the team wants them to. I mean, as much as it's about players that want to leave and go somewhere else, they're they're being invited to leave. It, this is just how it works, you know. The, the coaches kind of let them know, hey, you know, <laughs> hey, Bill Norton, you've been here a few years, man. You ain't in the rotation. It tells you a little something, right? Or you know, last year, so. Um, to your point, it's been kept quiet, which is which is what Kirby wants. It's it's kept the focus on the team, but make no mistake about it, they watch the portal very closely. Um, they know what they want to find and what they want to identify, and, and they've done a pretty good job when you think about the transfers they've taken in. I know Tyke Smith maybe hasn't turned out to be the All American we thought he would. You know, Javon Bullard beat him out for that nickel spot. He played well when he needed to this year when Bullard was suspended. But I think back to Eli Wolf. We didn't think he'd be caught, caught the game clinching pass against Florida a few years ago. I think about Lawrence Cager, 
You know, you don't get a top 10 finish in 2019 without Cager emerging and returning from the dead from that Florida game, if you remember that moment. So I, I kind of trust Kirby in the process. And as far as guys that have left, uh, okay, the, the fields, fiasco, we, we all remember that. But for the most part, I think Georgia's fared really well. And I don't think that would change. If I was a Georgia fan, I wouldn't be worried one bit. I'd be excited knowing that Kirby's going to make calculated decisions. And right now, I don't see any quarterback out there that's better than what Georgia has. I really don't. I hope it's Carson Beck next year when we start the season. I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more time this year, a little more investment in him. But this guy's capable. He's strong. And uh, and I think it'd be a seamless. And now that Munkin's sticking around, that's the other thing I would say. Sure. You know, Munkin doesn't really want to be a head coach. I think it's just I think the wheels are greased um, for a, a strong off season, and and, kept, and I'll, I'll call it right now an undefeated twenty twenty three season. Well, there, there you go. go. There you go. Hey, Mike, great stuff. Thanks for having us uh, a part of the program today. Sorry for keeping you so long, but we will look forward to a chat with you again very soon. Here's part of our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, interesting stuff there. Mike Griffith, the Georgia Farmer Insider Update. Let me just say a couple things here real quick, and then we'll kind of move on to SEC Through. And look, Mike kind of touching this with Ohio State. I mean, there is no doubt about this, that Ohio State, as kind of one of the flagship programs of the Big Ten, I'd say there are two true flagship programs. Ohio State and Michigan, I would say that Penn State's just below that, but that's pretty big business in its own right. But the point is, Buckeye football is big business, and Big Ten football is big business. You know, the most populous state in the SEC footprint is Florida. It's like 21 million or so. Not all of that belongs to the Gators, but that's, you know, the biggest state in the SEC footprint. Second biggest is Georgia. Georgia's just under 11 million, I think, from a population standpoint. So part of the reason why Georgia's kind of always been viewed to be, oh, best job in college football and kind of gets some of that conversation is because it is a football crazy program in a gigantic football crazy state that that georgia is that well the state of ohio actually has more population than georgia does and if you look across the board part of the reason why the big 10 commands such big media rights deals you know the average fan doesn't care about tv contracts things like that but if you follow the business part of that part of the reason why the big 10 gets these huge media rights deals is because across the board you know the big 10 universities the big 10 alumni bases the 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 populations within the states are all pretty big it's not new york city los angeles but but it's it's pretty big i mean even you know schools you don't think about a ton like say nebraska iowa you know these are fan nebraska certainly iowa to a degree these are pretty big fan bases pretty big alumni bases there's you know there's you know a decent you know level of support there and so in the future when you think about the arms race between the two power leagues the sec and the big 10 when you think about that in the future um the one thing that you're going to conclude is it's just really good business to be involved in Big Ten football. And you can buy a lot of things with all that money the Big Ten's going to be making, but you can't necessarily buy wins on a football field. And when it comes to facing a Big Ten school versus an SEC school, this is not just Georgia versus Ohio State. This is kind of waving the flag for the future of those two conferences a bit. And while the Big Ten has been great for the box office, the SEC has been far better on the field. And that's kind of what Georgia's also kind of playing to remind you of when it takes on the Buckeyes there on December the 31st. And then... Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention here, too, and then we'll do a little bit of SEC through stuff. So, obviously, the Mike Leach story is a terrible tragedy, and it just seems like one of those things that we all kind of live in fear of, which is that Mike Leach just fell prey to kind of a bad luck health health out, out, outcome, that, that sometimes out of no control of your own, you have this sort of bad health thing that takes place, and in the case of uh, Leach, it cost him his life. That's really scary. It's incredibly sad, and I think it's part of the reason why a lot of us have kind of reeled from this so much. But here's the one thing I do wonder if you're going to see more of because we'll kind of move off of the remembrance of Coach Leach eventually and we'll kind of move into the next phase of this and the aftermath of that. And I do kind of wonder, maybe we'll hear from some, some from Kirby Smart on this today. You know, men are sort of notorious for not really taking very good care of their health, just to be completely honest. That's a little bit of a broad brush, but it's also probably true. I'm probably guilty of that from time to time there as well. We just get busy. We're into our work. We're into our families. We're into that kind of stuff. And we don't like to pause and think about our health very much. And in the case of Coach Leach, I don't have any indication that there's something he could have done to to make his situation any different. It just sort of seems like it was just really, really bad luck from a health standpoint, at least my understanding of that uh, right now. 
And yet, you know, maybe this does end up serving as a reminder of, hey, for coaches, as much as you value your time as a coach, as much as you want to be a hard driving guy who's really burning the candle at both ends, pausing, reflecting, taking care of your health, both spiritual, emotional health, but also physical health, just the regular, you know, getting those checkups and things like that. That's got to be an important part of the process, that being a good man means also taking care of your health so that you can remain a good man for the people in your life that are depending on you. And, you know, the leech thing is a horrible tragedy, but if it does motivate people to kind of take better care of their health, then then, then maybe something good can kind of come out of this, maybe. And in the case of Coach Leach, as I said before, it just seems like he was just bad luck, that every now and then something really bad happens that you have no control over, and it seems like that was the case for Coach Leach. But if it does make health more top of mind for those of us who love college football, then maybe something somewhat good, I guess, can can come out of that. It's one of those things that we'll no doubt hear some coaches talking about in the, uh, the weeks and months to come, maybe an additional spotlight on health. Just given the fact that when you lose a coach at 61, that is really, really scary for all of us, no matter what age we are. So our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to the Mississippi State community and uh, those who knew and loved Coach Leach. It's an incredibly sad thing and never an easy way to transition to anything else after that. But I do want to go cruising around the SEC here for a moment and get ready to give you a couple of SEC news and notes that you might have missed in light of the Leach News and also kind of remind you that it is going to be a great time on board with us on our Royal Caribbean cruise coming up this April when we're there for the second ever Dog Nation cruise. And I was on board one of the seas last week. And, you know, I think one of the things that we all have kind of come to believe is, hey, you know, get the most out of your life. Enjoy every moment that you have, knowing that nothing's ever promised to you and, and, and uh, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, nothing's ever given. Enjoy happy moments when you can. So for me last week, getting a chance to be away with my wife, we actually have a full family cruise coming up in February where we're going to take our kids on a cruise for the first time. And I got to tell you, they are so excited about that. And the fresh eyes of seeing a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation like this, but we've been kind of telling them about it, getting them excited about it. It's been really fun. But that's always for, you know, it's just kind of nice to also have that kind of getaway husband and wife. And last week, along with some of our friends here from Dog Nation and some of our friends at Royal Caribbean, we were on board Wonder of the Seas last week. And it was just a reminder to me of how much fun we're all going to have together on board Independence of the Seas this upcoming April. So our friend Jessica Slater, who's a great travel agent, in fact, she was specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean to book the Dog Nation cruise. You can reach out to Jessica, give her call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also go to royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com, and you can be a part of our Dog Nation cruise. It is kind of crunch time to kind of get serious about this. I know a lot of you have been looking into it, and you've been talking back and forth with Jessica it's really time to kind of get that going and go ahead and get that finalized because we want to get you locked in and ready to be a part of this. It's already, by far and away, one of the biggest events we've ever done here at Dog Nation with the state rooms we've already booked. We've got even more slated to be booked here in the next little bit. So I'm excited about all of that and really, really looking forward to having all of you with us on that Dog Nation cruise. All right, so let me do this here. A couple of news and notes that you might have missed. Some of this transfer portal related, some of this recruiting related. So Alabama has lost a couple of receivers off of its program to the portal. You've got Aaron Anderson going to the portal. That's a number 35 recruit from the 2022 class. That, you know, that's a pretty big-time player, and yet not really kind of finding that home in Alabama, looking to move on. You know, Before that, wide receiver in the class of 2021, another top 100 recruit when he signed. Uh, Christian Leary, he's moved on. Leary does have a home. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. But here's what I'm kind of reminded of, and this is the other side of the Nick Saban recruiting pitch that he's been making as of late. And we have warned him about this over and over. We were right. I think that Nick Saban has erred in the way that he's gone about this. But Saban has kind of promised, to use a word we've already used in today's show, he's kind of promised that superstar status to players, come here and get stats, come here and become famous, come here and be in the spotlight the way that Jamison Williams was, the way that uh, you know John Mechie was, the way that Devontae Smith was, the way that Jalen Waddle was. You know, Come here and be that guy. But the problem is, is that that level of fame is by definition somewhat scarce. It, there's not enough to go around for everybody. And so when you come to Alabama on the promise of being that guy and you don't get it, boy, I think you really feel betrayed pretty quickly. And I have no idea how Anderson and Leary truly feel about Alabama and what has caused them to want to move on from that program. But we do certainly understand human nature that when you're pitched on the idea of this is a place that cultivates superstar receivers and when they don't cultivate you that way, even if – uh, you're maybe a little bit impatient expecting it to happen sooner than it than it did. But when that doesn't happen for you, I think there's 
there's a level of frustration that seeps in pretty quick. So what we're seeing right now is Alabama not being impervious to the same kind of transfer stuff that every other program is going to have to deal with. In fact, Alabama may deal with a little bit more of that right now because I really think this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Crimson Tide. This is going to be one of those offseasons in which they have to redefine themselves. Part of the reason why I think they've been so panicked about not making this year's college football playoff is they really squandered the final year of Bryce Young, the, the, the final year of Will Anderson. Those are the faces of the program coming into this year. And Alabama, as you move towards 2022, let's be frank here, this is a program without a face. This is a program without an identity. All you really have is Nick Saban as a coach kind of playing at the string of his career. And I'm not going to oversell this to you. Saban is Saban, and Alabama is Alabama. They may very well figure it all out over the course of this offseason, be right back competing and contending for a national championship you know, next year. Uh, maybe the, the most likely bet is that they will do that. But if they do, it's going to require really reinventing themselves because this was a program built around you know, great quarterback like Bryce Young, and now he's gone. And in the past, Alabama has kind of replaced great quarterback with great quarterback. And maybe they've got that with Jalen Simpson or uh, uh, Mil- uh, Milrow or, you know, whatever else. Maybe maybe they've got that guy waiting the wings. Maybe they're going to go open up the transfer portal and be wide open again with that this year the same way they were a year ago. But it feels like a very tumultuous type of offseason for Bama where they have a lot of work to do to kind of sort of recast themselves as what they stand for in this current slate because this seemed like very much a win now year for them in 2022 and it just didn't happen that you know as much as we joked about saving in the rebuilding year if that if you even want to take him at his word and say okay they were rebuilding in 2021 they were building to do it in 2022 and they failed more spectacularly then than they did in 2021 it definitely leads to a very interesting offseason and one in which a lot of Alabama players who are looking around currently on the roster saying gosh, is this the program that I was promised? Is this the the opportunity that I truly signed up for? You're going to have some of that going on in Tuscaloosa here right now. Uh, I'll also mention very, very quickly here two more things. So I mentioned Christian Leary, one of those wide receivers that's leaving Alabama. We now know that he's going to UCF. I do think Gus Malzahn in Orlando with UCF is a little bit interesting. I do. And we've, I think, even seen UCF win a recruiting battle over Florida for a defensive lineman here the last little bit too. That UCF has been kind of a living breathing football program now for a while they've been probably the best of the uh, american athletic conference at least among the best in that league from a standpoint of where you'd like to play be a part of but with a guy like malzahn who's been in the sec and you know really had some success in this league going back to his first year in 2013 if nothing else well now you got ucf on its way to the big 12 that i do think if you're one of those upstart sec programs like napier at florida or like you know one of these sort of mid-level sec programs I do believe that Gus Malzahn at UCF is probably a little bit of a recruiting rival for you, and I think he's shown the ability from time to time that, that he's going to win some of those. Ironically, Georgia just went to UCF and pulled one of its commits, uh, an offensive lineman, uh, for, for the program here. So you're going to see Malzahn versus the SEC in some respects. I think in the future, that's probably even more true now that UCF has kind of found itself, at least by definition, a Power 5 home in the Big 12. So keep your eye on Malzahn a little bit. And then finally, speaking of Malzahn in his old school, Auburn, I saw where Auburn has flipped Connor Liu, the really good offensive lineman from Kennesaw Mountain from Miami, uh, now to that program. And the one thing we've kind of seen over the course of the last couple of years, Brian Harson was not a factor in recruiting battles at all. And really at the end of the Malzahn era at Auburn, they weren't doing much recruiting either, especially here in the state of Georgia. But with Hugh Freeze now in place there with what I think I told you earlier this week, a couple of pretty good recruiting, or I should say coordinator hires, I think you're going to see Auburn start to be a little bit more of a factor here right now. Not at the level that gets George's attention, but if you're a Tennessee trying to take the next next step, I believe Auburn makes that more difficult for you. If you're South Carolina trying to prove that what you did at the end of this last season was real and it's a building block for the future, I believe the presence of Hugh Freeze makes that a little bit more difficult for you. For Billy Napier trying to really make Florida into something that Florida fans feel like is a little bit more appropriate for them, I think the presence of Freeze at Auburn makes that more difficult as well. It's going to take a lot for any of those teams to truly get Georgia's attention, but you better believe Freeze and what he has a chance to do in the recruiting trail will get Napier and Heupel and Beamer and that next level just below Georgia of SEC teams' attention. You better believe that's the case, and maybe we're already starting to see some of the examples of that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also give out a couple shots out here right now. We're getting ready for bowl season. I'm excited about that, and also one of the things that makes bowl games fun are trying to make your picks about who's going to win some of these games. And listen, there's a lot of reaching that goes on with that when it comes to Bahamas Bowl or Las Vegas Bowl or whatever else. You know, some of these are maybe involving teams we're not exactly experts on. 
But that doesn't stop us from making picks, and you can make your picks as well when it comes to our friends at MyBookie. In fact, when you open up your account right now with MyBookie and use the promo code DOGNATION, you're actually going to get a big deposit bonus. That means up to $1,000, they're going to double that initial deposit for you. So you put in $400, they're going to put in $400. $500, they're going to put in $500. You put in $300, they're going to put $300 in there for you, like $600 you have before you even win your first bet. That's how it works all the way up to $1,000. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. It is as simple as that. It's winning season right now at MyBookie. So find them online. Type it in your browser. MyBookie, the internet will do the work for you. It'll get you where you need to go. And then after that, use the promo code DOGNATION to take advantage of that big deposit bonus. We'll also have some of our official picks coming up as we get a little closer to the really heart, the meat of bowl season. But for now, get your account opened up and have some fun here during this time of year with our friends at MyBookie. And by the way, speaking of having fun, a lot of you doing that as well with your holiday parties and things like that. And of course, anytime there's fun and festivities to be had, we think the finished long drink goes great with that as a little bit of a holiday cocktail celebration because let's face it the finished long drink is kind of a ready to drink cocktail right there in the can it looks like a beer because it comes in a can but it's not you just simply pop the top and enjoy it. you like mixed drinks this is a mixed drink for you right there in the can you can pour it in a glass you can drink it straight out of the can whatever you want to do on that whether it be the cranberry the long drink strong which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume the long drink zero which is no carbs no sugar the long drink traditional which comes in a blue can got the grapefruit flavor the gin kick it's really really good and so if you want to make that a great part of your holiday party coming up, check out the longdrink.com to find out where you can pick some up. And when you do, snap a photo of yourself, hit me up on Twitter with it at Dog Nation Daily, and we will celebrate you as part of our big finish each and every Friday presented by the Finish Long Drink right here on Dog Nation Daily. So one of the things I'm doing for our golden shoes right now is I'm just doing a search on Twitter for a hashtag go for two and 22, and I just sort of pop up people who use the hashtag even people who don't tweet me so yes i am i am twitter stalking some of you and you don't even realize it so uh be on your best behavior because you never know when i'm looking in fact our y'all y'all know some of y'all know bubby dean he's a part of what we do here around dog nation great dog fan a lot of y'all interact with him on social media a lot and he didn't tag me in this tweet but he did use go for two and 22 so i'm gonna put it on the screen here he says should i buy this for uh me and what it is, is a great looking georgia pullover with the four you know, leg standing dog logo, which I think is one of the awesome Georgia logos I do. He also gives you the hashtag go for two and 22. So I'm going to give Bubby a golden shoe because he used go for two and 22, which is obviously the hashtag we are promoting hard right now. But also I'm giving Bubby a, a, a golden shoe for this. Yes, buy gifts for yourself by all means out there. You know, listen, when you get to be a certain age, it's almost like Santa Claus sort of forgotten about you a little bit. It sort of feels that way. Now, if you're still a young kid, Santa Claus is going to love you for a long time. But by the time you get to be my age, Santa Claus ain't really returning my phone calls the way that he once was. So uh, if you really want something, yeah, you might need to get that for yourself. So, uh, Bubby, uh, if that pullover is calling your name, then by all means, getting it. Or if you want to get a go for two and 22 t-shirt, don't wait for Santa Claus to bring it to you. Just use the QR code that's right there on your screen if you're watching on video and you can get yourself one or obviously go to the top of the page of dognation.com, get one for yourself. But this is an important PSA. This time of year, there is nothing wrong with buying that gift for yourself. And of course it is, they, they tell me it's better to give than receive. So by all means, give them to everybody else too. But don't forget to take care of yourself during that uh, Christmas list because been extra good this year i have a long list of presents all right so uh really really good stuff uh good job bubby and by the way uh no christmas gifts nothing but coal in the stocking of those lousy stinking gators 318 days from right now uh george is going to be coming down their chimney and they're going to be uh, doing it a huge way to the tune of another big victory so we're looking forward to that and we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda pest manager we'll look forward to talking to you then